Hello, and welcome to Of The People. I'm Robert Chernin. And I'm Erica Reddick. And we are back for yet another episode of news, politics, and of course, our large dose of irreverence that you've all come to expect from us at this point. Uh, irreverence versus generally irritable, which is why we make such a good pair, Erica, don't you think? <laughs> I would agree. I would agree. Yeah, I need that. I need that uh, balancing uh, of the irritability. So if you're generally irritable, you know, I've been meaning to ask this question. So if you're generally irritable, I mean, people who know me know that I am always irreverent. That is sort of a trademark thing. So you're generally irritable. I guess the real question is, when are you not generally irritable? Like what doesn't piss you off? You know, actually, funny enough, uh, I, most of the time I'm a pretty jolly person. I like to go about my day, having a good time, having fun. Um, I'm, I generally am trying to look for the positive in things and have fun and opportunities to play games and, you know. Is, is there a but in here? But when I talk about politics, it's really hard not to be generally irritable. Uh, okay, because I thought maybe it was a gnome diploma or something like that. So, and you know, and you know, having been with you off camera, you know, out to dinner as we chat about things, I find you not to be generally irritable. But you know, but being pissed off over politics, I get. <laughs> I understand. Yes. So yes. Uh, there's a lot to be pissed off at, but I do have some good news. You know, we are going to start again with WTO. Where's the Ooh. outrage? And in this case, I found some outrage. Oh. So, you know, you have to report both sides, right? The good, right. the bad, right? Good, so bad, ugly. The, yep. You I'm probably read the story. Anheuser-Busch is yet again still in the news. They can't seem to get out of the news, mm. you know, after that $6 billion drop in market cap. But yeah. there's a bar in Bloomington, Indiana called, I think it's the Fairfax Bar and Grill, who basically, when all this whole, you know, um, Dylan Mulvaney, transgender um, spokesperson thing was in the mail. It was in, you know, in the news. They basically said, because apparently people were in Bloomington, Indiana, were sort of anti-Budweiser, anti-Anheuser-Busch. Mm, they were going and, along with the boycott. Right. And, well, they were getting vocal in the bar and the bar basically said to them, and they put out a statement that says, basically, if you don't support this, leave the bar. Don't Ooh. come here. So I don't know if they lost half their customers or how many, but they lost a significant amount. And several weeks later, they're now back in the news, apologizing and saying, well, well, we respect all opinions. It just needs to be civil, right? So folks, you voted with your pocketbook and your feet and you basically expressed the outrage. I love that. Yes, I, I, it's, this actually warms my heart, Robert. It warms my heart. So you're not generally irritable on this. I am not generally irritable <laughs> about this. I'm actually generally excited about this because I, you know, we are a voting demographic. Conservatives, Republicans, uh, you know, libertarian types, people who just want to be left alone and don't want to be virtue signaled, virtue signaled to at every turn, uh, you know, all you had to do was stand up and say, enough is enough. Okay, we're, no, we're done. We're done. We're done here. Move along, please. Everybody, we want everybody to have rights and and be, have kindness, you know, and, and be treated with respect, but no more, no. Nope, we're done. You can't take us for granted. You can't take our money for granted anymore. We're done. 
Well, you know, it, it's encouraging that people are starting to, you know, see something, say something, but now they're doing it in a constructive way. The yes. thing that, the thing that, I mean, gets me generally irritable is the is the hypocrisy, the staggering hypocrisy. So, right. So, let me see if I got this straight. It's not okay to express your opinion in a bar that you dislike a policy. And good, good for those people who are voting with their feet and their pocketbook. Yeah. But yet, you know, Aunt Jemima, who had, uh, you know, a, a Southern black woman <sighs> on for certainly since I've been, you know, born on on the box was what? What did they call that? Cultural appropriation yeah. or something like that. Yeah. So that like had to come a off digital blackface or whatever right. kind of what. Which it's like it's a brand. She was a real person. Right. They paid royalties to this woman and her family to use her likeness and image. And in the name of wokeness, you actually took income away from a black family, a historic right. so, black brand. Right. But but look 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 <laughs> at look at the other. Thanks. Land of Lakes Butter, which is big up here in New Hampshire. Yep. I don't know yep. if it is national. Had an Indian in a teep, in a canoe or something that had to come yep. off. So now it's now it's sort of um, androgynous, I guess. Um, uh, we had to change the name. I'm a sports guy, at least a baseball guy. We had to change the name of the Cleveland Indians to some ridiculous name like the Cleveland Commanders in football. Washington Redskins are no Washington Redskins are now the Commanders. I forget what the Cleveland no, Indians are. No, the Redskins are. aren't they the aren't they the football team? Didn't they change yeah. it to the Washington Football Team or something really lame right. like that? So, so where's the so where is the single standard? So, so it's okay under under virtue signaling, or it's okay to change those names because it's offensive to this group or that group, but. Heaven forbid someone goes into a bar and expresses an opinion that doesn't agree with the other patrons in the bar, or the, in this case, the bar owner. So uh, to the Fairfax Bar and Grill in Bloomington, Indiana, sometimes, folks, you get what you deserve. So now they're asking people to come back because they've lost so much business and and. I don't wish ill on anybody, but actions have consequences. That's the way we were raised, right? Yep, if, that's you right. Know, stop acting like a jerk. Let people have their opinion. You know, there was this kid, it's all over the internet, and I forget his name, but he was a seventh grader in some school, Shawnee, whatever it was. He goes into school with a shirt that basically says there are two only two genders. So he wasn't confronting anyone. He wasn't doing anything other than his rights to a free speech. And they made the kid go home because he was offensive to other people in the school. But I bet if his shirt said there are 875 genders, that would have been allowed. <laughs> uh, I'm just guessing. Uh, uh, I'm just course, speculating, of course, Robert. Of course, of course, of course it would be. Of course it would be. So it, it, it's it's amazing. And under the under the... We have to still go back to the WTO, right? Mm, so where's yes. the outrage? Did you hear about the the lawmaker in Arizona who was, you know, she? so she, I think she was uh, House of Representatives, as I recall. And okay. I forget her last name, but I can look it up. So she, they basically, in the House, they had the, these lounge chambers open to the public if you're, if you're, if you're escorted, but basically it's for House okay. members. And they would have copies of the Bible there. And don't ask me which version of the Bible, but they had the Bible there, right? Okay. Several, and it and they ended up disappearing, so no one could figure out what happened. So first, what would happen is they would they found one under a chair, and then 
a couple weeks later, they found one. You know, this is all in the members' lounge, right? So these so are it was still in the room. Yeah, someone was hiding it, right? Or okay, and then they found one hidden in the refrigerator. And then they said, okay, let's figure this out. So they put cameras in there to find out, you know, who the culprit was. Turns out is a Democratic lawmaker. And let me see. The name, her name is Stephanie Stahl Hamilton, who was hiding the Bibles. And, <laughs> and she, so, so, okay, you're going to try to hide the word of God. Just why? Because you don't want people to read the word of God. I mean, look, honestly, you know, Sometimes the truth is too hot to handle, which would explain maybe why they put it in the refrigerator. But but you're like, I mean, obviously got very little play in the press, but but I mean, they have stooped to that level that that they are going to what I mean, you know, maybe you can help me because I don't understand it. Why would someone do that? It's not even hidden. If I mean, if you like put it under a couch or something, or like in the couch cushions, so like well, she did nobody that too. would find it. But but if you're putting it in the refrigerator, somebody's what? I don't even. Okay. Could have could have been the icebox. She wanted to put God's word on ice. Oh my! I don't God. know. I you don't know. You're killing me with the puns. <laughs> I am like, I'm like, I'm trying to come up with something good to say, but I'm like still laughing at the first one. Too hot to handle. You're like, and, oh my God. I, 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 you know, I think that it's very telling. Okay. It doesn't matter if you're a Christian or not. Okay. Uh, it's very telling when just the idea of having the word of God around or just the idea of God is is freaks you out so badly that you have to try to hide it from view that you have to like get away from it. I it, it, that that the Bible would invoke this kind of a reaction in a grown woman. Uh, makes me nervous for how she's representing the people of her district, to be totally honest with you. Uh, and if she's in Arizona, there's a good chance a lot of the people that she represents are people of faith. I'm really curious how they're going to react to to this behavior. Well, it, it happened a little while ago, within the last couple of weeks. Um, here's, the, here's my theory. You know yeah. me, I always have a theory on things. I like it. I actually think that, you know, this whole... Uh, canard about separation of church and state means oh. to the left that there can be no God in government, right? There can be no oh, no yeah. um, faith in government. Um, yeah. And really, that's not what really, you know, the founding documents say. It's that Be the correct. state shall not establish a religion. But as we've talked about incessantly, frankly, the country did have a a civic religion upon which it was founded. And the founding of the, the country was based on religious tolerance, not religion, religious elimination and, and a total void of religion. So I'm thinking, look, maybe she's just misguided. Maybe I, she thought she was doing everyone a favor. I don't know. Well, and it just goes to show, uh, Robert, how many of our elected officials are are not actually uh 
that much smarter than the general population. Okay, I just want to be really clear what I'm about to say. There are so many people I know that would be competent, amazing legislators, and they don't run for office because they're like, oh, you know, I'm just a, a homemaker because that's somehow demeaning. I makes me crazy. But, you know, or I'm just a, you know, I'm just a person who works at a print shop or whatever it is. These people can't even read words correctly. Okay, they're there's nothing in the Constitution that says you can't be a religious person, that you can't have morality when it comes to making up laws and doing things like that. Oh, separation of church and state. And they and you hear it repeated over and over and over again, even at educational institutions by supposedly smart and learned people. And it's like, it's not what it says. You're misreading the Constitution and then acting like you're some kind of a freaking, well, oh, look at how high and mighty I am and I'm going to judge you, you silly conservative, how dim you are. I don't, wh I, wait, see, wait this is, wait, I'm wait getting generally irritable, there. Robert. Okay, mm, okay, take a deep breath. Okay. Breathe, breathe, come on, breathe through it, you can do it. So, look, the one thing I disagree with what you said is that they're not misreading the Constitution. Oh, they're not reading it at all. Oh, well, these are, yes. Remember the, and we're going to talk about that more in in a segment later on in the show. But what they're doing, remember, there's two there's two camps here. The ones, okay. you know, let's call them Democrats. I don't know what I would call them or progressives. They believe mm. that the Constitution is a living document, a living, mm. breathing document that mm. has to sort of keep up with the times. Right. And you go back to sort of the Antonin Scalia, Supreme Court Justice, uh, who was an originalist. You go back to Neil, who, Neil Gorsuch, Justice Gorsuch, who's, who's there, uh, Amy Coney Barrett, you know. Mm. So there is this tug of war between sort of an originalist um, understanding uh, or a textualist, if you will, of the Constitution and what does it say and what does it mean and what did it mean viewed against the backdrop of when it was written, the time in which it was written, versus people who believe that the, the Constitution is a living, breathing document and therefore it doesn't matter what it says, here's how we're interpreting it today. Today, right. And right? I I think you and I are both in the originalist camp. What did it mean when the words were written on the piece of paper? What did that word mean a hundred years ago, you know, it, including the amendments, right? So what did the what did all of those words mean when they were written? Okay, that's what they mean, and that's what they will always mean forever. And so we should do, you know, have the conversations in that context, right? That's you and me. The other side will say, we'll say the other camp. I like the way you put that. The other camp is contextualist, right? It's what does, what do we think it means today, given the context of the current culture? Right. Right. And, and I am very much an originalist. By the way, one last comment before we segue into a couple more WTOs, where's the outrage? Um, other than being a lawmaker, and again, I want to get this name right because, folks, you should look her up and you should send her an email and tell her what you really think. <laughs> uh, but so the, her name is Stephanie Stahl Hamilton. Mm. And guess what she does? All, in addition to being a lawmaker, guess what else she is in her life? Come on, this is going to be good. A teacher. She is a minister. She is a Presbyterian minister. <laughs> so you have a, a woman of the cloth. I, uh, you have a woman of the cloth who is, and it's sort oh of, and, that, and then you really got to like, and then it makes my head hurt going, wait a minute. So 
and maybe my initial theory was wrong, right? If she's a woman of the cloth and she's hiding the Bible from Republicans, presumably, or maybe it was the wrong Bible. And by the way, you know, being of the Jewish persuasion, you know, I only have sort of one Bible. You know, I know there's different versions in, in, in Christianity that maybe somebody can help me with, but maybe she wanted her book there and not the other guy's book. I don't know. <laughs> You know, I, I must be missing Wait, something, but she's a Presbyterian. have their own Bible? I don't know. You're asking me? I don't know. I don't know. I'm how Christian. Would I, how would aren't I know pres- that? Aren't Presbyterians the ones that are like the modern Christians that like don't you, you believe are asking, in a biblical worldview? You are Is asking right? the wrong. I have no or idea. Is that just Unitarians? Uh, we, we we can look at it. You know what? Let's go Benjamin, to our let's go to up. our producer. Benjamin, so, we need we need Benjamin's help here. What is so, what is that? So so Lord Benjamin, who up. who's our producer? Please help us here because if you're asking me, you know, I mean, okay. I can you know, I mean, the only you know, I mean, obviously, I understand a fair bit about Christianity, but to me, the great divide, obviously, between Catholicism and Protestantism. But you start getting into sort of the different gradations. Um, it's live, dude. I don't even get it. I've been a Christian it, for like five minutes. For it, like five it, minutes, I don't get it. It's it's, it's way it's way above my pay grade. I just okay, but I but but I find it incredibly. I don't know, hypocritical, ironic, it's wild, stupid. Dude. So she's a pres- she's a Presbyterian minister hiding the Bible uh, and putting it in the refrigerator. Someone That's needs to explain lie, that dude. to me. It's okay. Presbyterian <laughs> typically emphasizes the sovereignty of God, the authority of Scripture. Okay, uh, was uh, church was insured by Scotland's by the Acts of Union in 1707. All right, all right, all right, all right. I got it. I it's got the it. largest folks, in folks, the country, folks. Mm. Look, look it up if you want to know. And someone, you can send me an oh, email yeah. at Hold robertc on. at asicfund.org because I don't know the difference because I'm too dumb to know. <laughs> that was Sorry. good. No, that's good. I'm, I would love to hear people's comments. And it is. It's known for its liberal stance on doctrine and ordaining women and members of the LGBT community as elders and ministers. So, yeah, that's like Presbyterians are like the Unitarians in that they're um, they don't believe in a biblical worldview. So it makes sense that she would be trying to hide the Bible in the refrigerator. She wants to put the word of God on ice. On ice. Or she wants to chill, excuse me, wasn't the freezer. She wanted to chill the word of God. Or maybe she wanted to chill with God. I don't really know. I don't get it. It was let's, on fire. Let's, I know. Let's move on. Well, it probably okay. was. She, the, the truth is too hot to hold, and she had to put it on, on ice for a while. I'm like, it was just, I read the story, and I was just, you know, you just can't oh, make this stuff up. I love By it. the way, under the heading of you can't make this stuff up, right, there was yeah. also, this was also, in all fairness, not where's the outrage. Did you read the story about the New Mexican shop owner who no. kept getting broken into? So he says, I'm going to sleep in the store, right? He sleeps in the store and a guy then tries to steal from him again. He digs a tunnel in through the store, in through through the, the floor to get into the store. Now, sad ending, it was not well, not sad for the owner, but the guy comes in, threatens him, he shoots him you know, kills, kills the intruder. Right. But what have we become that defund the police, disrespect law enforcement? uh, You can't, the crime running rampant. Right. And the guy has to sleep in his store to protect him himself from being robbed. Wild. Absolutely wild. Outrageous. Right. And, and you just, 
it, it's just we've lost our minds. We're, I was reading a story but at least we're this fighting, week. No. But at least we're fighting back. Oh, my God. I love it. Hold on really quick. Fine. And and then we got to go to break. Actually, the AG of Vermont. This is the stupidest story. It goes along with what you're talking about, Robert. Uh, the AG of Vermont said to in order to deal with the rampant car theft, Korean cars, I think it was Korean cars. It was Kia and Hyundai uh, needed to be recalled and the manufacturer needed to install anti-theft stuff. Uh, they, they don't need to enforce crime in Vermont. They want to make the manufacturers do a recall on two major car brands. That's it. I got. That's, I. I just had to. I had to share yeah, that. I, I get it. And, and look, on, on, on a sad note, you, you, I mean, he, a friend of mine who lives in the Burlington area said that Burlington is very quickly becoming Portland. Oh. Uh, we're going to leave the folks with you with something to think about as well. We have to go to break. We are bourgeois capitalists. We have to make money. I'm Robert Chernin. I'm Erica Reddick. And we will be right back. Stay tuned. Tired of seeing your rights stripped away by the politicians in Washington who don't care about you or me? Do you feel like a red dot in a pond of blue dots and feel disconnected? It's time to get connected. The American Center for Education and Knowledge is fighting back to restore America. Get connected. Go to ASICFund.org. That's A-C-E-K-F-U-N-D.org to learn more. Do it now. Hey, everybody, Erica Reddick, the other half of Of The People. Come check me out over on Generally Irritable. That's where you'll find me on all the socials. I got Erica Reddick on Twitter. We're not just covering news and politics, but we also cover culture and how those things relate to one another. So come check it out. You can also go to generallyirritable.com and learn more about me and the show. Hello, and welcome back to Of The People. I am Robert Chernin. And I am Erica Reddick. And we are glad to be back. Thanks for staying with us. Yes. Um, heck of an ending to the last segment. Oh, I could, my God. I could, I, I could have kept going. I could have kept going. I got so fired up. I'm so fired up. I laughed so hard when I read that headline. I don't. I can't say I blame you. So I want to create a, con, a conjure up an image in your mind. Okay. If All I right. say the word Camelot, what do you think? Camelot. Um, oh, this the is not knights, a test. Right. The knights of uh, makes me think of Monty Python and the Search for the Holy Grail. <laughs> Touche. Um, uh, uh, honor. Okay, and and when I think of Camelot, you do know. So the Kennedy administration in the 60s was referred to as Camelot, right? It was oh. this gilded age of, now personally, I always wanted to be Lancelot. I'm not sure mm. I wanted to be King Arthur. It um, didn't end too well. But <laughs> um, so supposedly there is the possibility, because Camelot was this you know, gilded or golden time in US you know, mm. politics in the country. Um, there is now another Kennedy Oh, running yeah. for political office. Robert yeah. F. Kennedy Jr., the son of Robert F. Kennedy, has declared that he is running for the Democratic presidential nomination. Now, yes. we're not backing or not backing candidates, but I'll tell you what I find no. interesting. First of all, you know, the name Kennedy can never be taken lightly. Uh, initial polls, you want to know how much people do not like the current president or the current administration, his current polls show him out of the gate at 19%. Wow. Right. Uh, that you know, I'm not going to lie, Robert. I that doesn't surprise me. 
Uh, right. We we got together with my mom this weekend. She's probably going to be totally embarrassed that I'm sharing this story, but she hi heard, mom hi mom <laughs> Lynn hi mom. Um, she <laughs> heard about it and she got so excited. She was like, "I am grateful that there is a you know that there is a Kennedy. I remember a time when that name meant something, um, right. and it meant reasonableness. You know, she I mean she got all nostalgic um, and shared what that time." in politics was like for her to experience. And she was, she's, she was about it. Right now, look, let, let's be candid here. Does anybody really think that given sort of the Tammany hall way that the democratic party runs, do you think there's going to be a presidential debate with a Kennedy and a Biden on the stage? Oh my God. No. Didn't they already say they weren't going to have debates? They already oh, said no debate. Well, not only no debates, um, you're going to see the reemergence. I guess that must be a contradiction in terms. You're going to see a reemergence of Hayden Biden, right? So pre <laughs> pre pre President Biden is. I mean, I don't. I don't know how you can reemerge and hide at the same time. I'll figure that out. But Hayden Biden is going to come back because there is no chance they want to debate a Kennedy. No, and look, they don't want to debate anybody. Right. Keep in mind right, that that Kennedy is an avid anti-COVID, anti-vax, mm, you know, anti guy now. Anti-lockdown. Yep. So number one, he is not uh, towing the party line. Mm -hmm. He is not espousing the dogma that they're going to want to hear. So they certainly don't want that on the Democratic stage, for sure. Correct. And, and look, not that Robert, you know, Robert F. Kennedy Jr. is is a panacea or or that we're suggesting people vote for him or not. I mean, he no. also backed Hugo Chavez in Venezuela. So you got to yeah. sort of I'm take this in perspective. Yeah. Right. <laughs> right. But I find it very interesting because what I will say is there is such a shortage of politicians with courage. Mm. So whether you like the guy or not, um, can I say the word cojones? Because I might like to say I, that because because sure. I mean, Bill, I mean, I mean, Bill Maher now has a, you know, cojones award. So I figure if he can say it, I can say it. So um, and if not, I guess <laughs> we'll I guess it. I'll get I get reprimanded. But <laughs> but. There is such a shortage of politicians that have courage, and 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 it's easy to be uh, to go along. You know, you know, the late Senator Sam Irvin, uh, the late great senator, and this goes back many years, um, used to say in his Southern drawl, "Son, in this institution, sometimes to get along, you have to go along." Right. And mm. there is some truth to that. But in today's day and age, whether it's the American public who is voting with their money in their feet or fighting back against curriculum, CRT and all that other you know, nonsense they're shoving down our throats. So yeah. uh, kudos to Robert F. Kennedy for actually stepping into the fray. I, was it? Didn't you say last, last segment that people don't want to run for office? People don't want to get involved. Yeah. Yeah. It's it. It's. As you know, I, I hate to sound like a broken record, but after running for Congress last year, I, I can tell you it was a really challenging process. Um, not only do you have to hire professionals and pay lots of money to people to understand really complex, complicated legal crap that they put in your way uh, with FEC rules and all this stuff, your own team will believe lies about you from the press, people, I mean, it is, 
it is so challenging. And a lot of times we're asking people to give up lucrative private sector jobs um, and other things in order to serve. And so. Yes, you know. I just think it's it's so disappointing. Let me rephrase that. It's encouraging when we see political candidates who are willing to buck the system, not go along to get along and to say what's true for the people that they represent. Um, you know, right now you're seeing a major rift in the progressive party because the progressive caucus between uh, who and who so progressive uh, representatives and their uh, their constituency, they're really being abandoned. The AOCs, the Pramila Jayapals, um, you know, those uh, the, I the always squad. Wonder, I, always, I always wonder how you pronounce that name. Thank you for that. Yes. So the squad, their voters are super mad at them because, hey, we sent you to Congress with a mandate and now you're just going along with whatever the Democrats are doing. Now they're saying the Democrats are right wingers, which is, you know, crazy and outlandish. But the point is, you aren't voting to represent the people who put you in office. And right. you're getting pushback and you're wondering why. And that's it's like, you know, if you're not going to stand for the principles you got elected on, then don't run for office. That's what I, that's my preaching moment for today. Right. And, and you wonder why there is a shortage of people, of, of poli either people with courage or politicians mm -hmm. with courage. And I think we're slowly starting to see um, it's, it's that network news moment in that old uh, movie where, you know, Albert Finney sticks his head out the window and says, I'm mad as hell and I'm not going to take it anymore. So whether it's the bar owner, whether it's the patrons of the bar in, in um, Indiana, Right, Bloomington or whatever it is, people are starting to fight back. But yep. there's such a sh there's such a shortage of that. By the way, did you also know since we're talking about shortages? Yeah. Did you know there's a shortage of teachers now? Wow. Are aren't you shocked? I am you not even one bit shocked. Actually, I oh. you know what? I can't even feign pretending to be shocked. Of course, there's a shortage of teachers. Right. Who's going to put up with the nonsense going on with our schools right now? Well, Who? So so at the at the start of the school year, I, I think it was the NEA, you know, big education. I forget who put out mm, the study. Yeah. There were 44% of the schools had vacancies in teachers in this country. And the retirement, the retirement of teachers or people leaving the profession on a percentage basis rivals the amount of people leaving law enforcement. <gasps> right? So and and why do you think that is? Why are people not why are because and I have a contrarian theory, but I want to hear what you think about this. Well, I, you know, I'm sure it's a bunch of stuff like uh, vaccine mandates, uh, mask mandates, um, expecting you to somehow be able to be the moral arbiter of the world and make everyone uh, safe, happy and healthy. Uh, the outrageous expectations that you teach gender ideology, um, uh, the yeah. d being demeaned and demoralized by your administration. Uh, do, do need I go on? I have two. You don't. You're correct in everything. But I have two words for you that sums it up. Okay. It's it's there, there's a new 
term in your vernacular or it should be in our vernacular and it's called white shaming <laughs> how do you like them apples right most of the you and, and by the way there's a story again you know how i love stories so a woman in i want to say it was missouri right okay. i think it was missouri uh i'm sorry it was kansas right and her yeah. name is cadrian sullivan who basically said, I've had enough. I'm, I know I'm going to be attacked by everything, but I have to come out and call this what it is. Yeah. Right. So another example of, of political courage where people yeah. are starting to get involved and start. And she basically said that if the parents knew what the kids were being taught in this school, they, they would be up in arms. Wow. Right? And, and if there's a reason that all these teachers are leaving and retiring and they can't hire new teachers. Now, my contrarian view to this is we already have established that since the 60s, we have lost sort of the influence in academia. And we can discuss whether it's K to 12, whether it's, you know, higher education, um, you know, that under academic freedoms, which we'll talk about in a second, right? Yeah. But to me, if there are people leaving the profession, anybody listening to the show, if you're, you know, whatever demographic you're in, if you're young and you're thinking about going into profession, we need people now to go into teaching. Yeah. Because because people are leaving and and either you're going to further seed ground to, let's call it the other camp, mm -hmm. right? Or you start fighting back by retaking some of, when I say the yes. land, meaning the, the, um, the cultural institutions. You got it. Yes. What do you think about that? I love it. I think that we should, and conservatives out there, Christians, Republicans, be encouraging your kids to consider being teachers. But that also really means being willing to be administrators. Um, there are a lot of folks in teaching that um, just want to be teachers. They don't want to be administrators. And so you have people who do not understand the profession ending up in these superintendent positions, and they're the ones pushing down all this woke nonsense. Get involved in politics. Don't just, oh God, all of you teachers leaving. Hold on. Okay. I got an idea along with what you're saying, Robert. Are you ready for Talk this? Talk to me. Talk to me. Everybody that's retiring because of the nonsense, because of the white shaming, which you're right, it totally does. That absolutely is happening in our schools. Um, all those people run for office. Okay, run for school board, run for city council, get a commissioner or commission seat, a committee seat on something because you have seen so get, first, get involved. What get you're saying involved. is get involved, get involved, do something because you've seen firsthand the damage that is happening to our kids and to our culture. And you are uniquely designed to be able to fight that. But, well, you know, but you know, but you know what it really is. So we, we've stopped teaching how to think, right? Mm -hmm. I, what was it? Universe, there was another article, I think, UNC, University of North Carolina, Chapel Hill. Mm -hmm. 600 or 700, oh, you know oh, this, this one. Oh, this butter's my so, biscuit. Mm. Excuse me, butter's I'm your biscuit? I'm so mad. I, wait, wait, I love so butter mad. on my biscuit. So I know, now, I don't wait, know why that's a negative. Butter on my biscuits now a bad thing. So wait, is that okay, a bad I'll thing? Have, I'll Did have I jam. just use that expression wrong? I'm gonna change. I'm gonna have jam on my biscuits, just to yeah, be but clear. that's also good. Right. <laughs> I think I used so, the expression wrong. <laughs> okay. Um, ladies and gentlemen, write this day down. Um, Lord Benjamin, make a note. Scratch this from the tapes. Um, so 
600 or 700 professors at UNC Chapel Hill came out against teaching, against having a course at the university that requires them to teach about the Constitution, the Declaration of Independence, the Bill of Rights, and the Federalist Papers. So what's happening in North Carolina is the state legislature has put forward a bill that, if signed, would require the teaching of the foundational documents in this country. And 670 or 80 or whatever it was of the professors came out and said, that's against academic freedoms and our intellectual um, uh, understanding. Basically, it said, we know better what to teach. Don't tell us what to teach. Wow. And I find it interesting that so now that they have a, um, what, what would you call it, a, a chokehold on academic curriculum, anything that forces them to teach about the founding of the country, because we go back to when you were talking about the politicians in the fir first segment mm -hmm. about, well, they're reading the Constitution wrong. They're not reading the Constitution. They don't know anything about it. They know nothing. That is so, so true. So, so these guys are against it. And it just, I mean, that's part of the problem. How do you know what this makes this country special if you have no idea about what it was founded on? And these guys don't want to teach it. Well, and what's astonishing to me is how many of the people that signed that, because I, I nerded out. I obviously went and downloaded the Excel file and then sorted it by professor or, uh, or uh, field of study. Let's see. There were, oh, I just did my number wrong. A vast, vast, vast majority of them, first of all, are, are public health. Public health and um, and medicine. So they're scientists. These are scientists. Trust the science. Trust the science, Trust but we don't want to learn about the. You know, right. we. That's why. That's how you can have scientists and medical professionals say things like, "Who cares what the Constitution says?" Right. Because I know better, and I'm the smart person. And you should listen to me and not those old guys from 250 years ago. Uh, but my favorite were the American studies people. That was my favorite. Uh, there's wait, 10. Wait, wait, wait. There are professors <laughs> from UNC who teach American history, basically. And they yes. don't want to teach about the Constitution because it infringes upon their academic freedoms. Yes. Yep. Yep. And anthropology. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. American history. Yep. I yeah. don't know about buttering my biscuit. It's probably not the <laughs> right expression, but that does make me angry and get me pissed off because so, so basically, again, these are the same people who only want to teach their interpretation of history and they yes. don't want you to know about, but honestly, answer to me this question. It's rhetorical, but answer it for me anyways, because I don't get it. How do you expect people to understand the uniqueness of America in the in the annals of the world, in in the history of the world, in all the things we talked about, American exceptionalism. If they know nothing about the Constitution, they know nothing about the Bill of Rights, they know nothing about the Declaration of Independence. You know what I'd like to do? We should do some field research. I'd love to go out with a camera and a crew and start asking people what they know about this document or that Constitution, Declaration of Independence. I mean. I love that idea. A man on the street segment. Don't you think? I think oh we should my, do it. Oh, you just, oh, now it's on now. Uh, we're going to need, an, gonna we're gonna need an ar ar armed bodyguard because I think most people are going to say, I don't know, or they're going to give some, um, can I say the word dumb? Some uninformed answer. answer because they have no clue. 
about the Constitution. They have no yeah. clue. We I don't mean, have civics anymore. We don't teach. Let me rephrase that. Many schools across America don't bother teaching civics or right. history in uh, American history in any meaningful way anymore. Now, in Texas, you have to take Texas history. My understanding is every single year of school. Uh, Remember the Alamo. <laughs> literally. <laughs> um, and I can tell you that it makes Texans fiercely prideful about where they're from. Um, that is, you know, when they know all of the things that has, have happened on this land over the course of hundreds and thousands of years and, uh, and the struggles of people, um, it really instills a sense of pride. And, right. and not to say that we then gloss over any dumb or terrible things that we've done, but nothing is all good and nothing is all bad. And this idea that we have to throw the baby out with a bathwater. Let's bring up a new expression um, is is really just foolish. And if you don't and if we don't know why, you know, if we don't understand where we came from, uh, let me I'm going to fit as many cliches into one rant as possible. <laughs> if we don't learn our history, we're doomed to repeat it. So the same people who are trying to like cover it up and say, oh, we can't look at it. We don't want to talk about it. Like if we don't remember and learn those lessons, we're going to go back to the dark ages. Wait, wait, wait. They're, they're, they're not, they're not, no, they're, they're, they're rewriting it. They're not, they're not, mm. right. They're not not teaching it mm. they're rewriting it. it's i was yeah, watching the news the other right. day and and i forget i forget uh but the woman who's the um the press secretary for the president was give, was giving a um a press conference you know a daily press conference to the to the uh, pool reporters and she had the audacity to claim that under the biden administration illegal immigration is dropped 90 <laughs> percent and and yet the facts. I mean, I mean, what? let's not let let's not let the little facts get in the way, right? The, well, you want to talk about this whole what? segment's been about misinformation, right? And how they whether it whether they're censoring it or whether they only want to teach a certain information in in, in academia. Ninety percent from what? It's, it's a. I, I don't. I mean, who know? I mean, look to me. That's like an out of body experience. I think she's done. She's done one sort of trip on trip on you know on, on drugs too many, right? But how do you straight face look at reporters and say it's dropped 90%? Same answer. They're redefining history. They're rewriting it. They're, they're retelling it to, to a narrative that they want that is so detached and devoid from the facts that you sit there. I mean, you know, in the beginning, you scratch your head and going, huh, I don't get it. But after yeah. a while, you, you just sort of go, is anything they're telling you the truth? Now, some of it has to be, but when you look at the reporters and say that ninety that illegal immigration has dropped ninety percent, and this is the spokesman for the president, yeah, it's what, it is where it are is we? The literal definition of gaslighting. It is the literal yeah, where are definition we? of gaslighting, and that's uh, 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 and that I think that's <laughs> it's so disorienting because you hear that stuff and you're like. How, where did you even come up with a statistic like that? You can't have that. I know that, the, okay, I'm going to collect myself. Breathe, because it come is on, breathe, so, breathe. 
<laughs> so they did. I know that they did something and I'm trying to recall what it was. They did something a few months ago where they reclassified um, encounters at the border as something else. So they made it so that if you turned yourself in, it was like classified as a different thing. And then whatever. Oh, my God, this is going to make me crazy. I'm going to have to come up with it for our next show because okay. I remember literally thinking, <laughs> oh, my God, they're changing the name wait, so that. Wait. They can change the statistics. They're, they're, excuse me, that's one hundred and one, right? They're they're re, they're re, if look if you can rewrite history, why can't you redefine <sighs> oh terms God, and redefine that's numbers? That's exactly what it is. I feel like we're living in nineteen eighty four right now. Oh my God. Well, I mean, next next year will be twenty twenty four, so we're close. <sighs> but uh, yeah, look, there's so look, there's so much of this it's that we can maddening. that we can that we can talk. Well, it is maddening, but again. To, you know, because I'm in a good mood today. I want to end on a good note because we do have to go to break. I'm getting signaled from Lord Benjamin, our producer, that we have to go make some more money. Um, you know, we go through money a lot on this show. We have to keep going to break. I don't quite get that, but we can talk about it. So uh, it's just, it, it's mind boggling, but I am encouraged that people are now starting to talk back, fight back, act, you know, vote with their feet and their money. So um Ladies and gentlemen. Speaking, hold on, Robert. Speaking what? of talking back and fighting back, where can they send us their comments and questions? Oh, they should send them to you and not me. Thank you. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> so thank you for reminding me. By the way, that's her really diplomatic way of saying, Robert, you forgot to do that, uh, which I did. So anybody who wants to comment, question, you know, good, the bad, the ugly, you can email me, Robert C at asicfund.org. That's Robert C at A C E K F U N D dot O R G. Erica, thank you for that. You're welcome. Folks, we're going to break. Stay tuned. Last section is going to be the best yet of today's show. We'll be right back. America came into being based on a shared belief and a common set of values. Unlike other nations that were bound together based on common ancestry, race, or caste, we came into being based on a simple and shared set of ideals. That the power of government is based on the consent of the governed. That life, the freedom to live life on our own terms in our own way, free from government interference, and liberty, our most precious value, and the pursuit of happiness, which means we are free to pursue that which we choose with the knowledge and courage to know that nothing is guaranteed to us in this life. Those values, America was founded on these basic inalienable rights. Freedom to pray to God in our own way. Freedom to think and speak freely without fear of punishment or harm. And freedom to gather in our places of worship and in our local taverns and freedom to defend ourselves, our families, our homes, and our neighbors as we see fit. The American Center for Education and Knowledge is dedicated to protecting American exceptionalism anywhere and everywhere it is threatened. ASIC is a 501c3 and depends on your tax-deductible donations. Please help us continue our fight. Hello, and welcome back to Of The People. I'm Robert Chernin. And I'm Erica Reddick. And we are back for our last segment. And we're so glad you stayed with us. So, Erica, the yeah. you know that the 
theme that has connected this whole show has been shortages, right? Mm. I mean, think about what, think about where we started, right? Mm -hmm. Shortages of teachers, shortages mm -hmm. of politicians that have, or, that, or people that have courage. Mm -hmm. so, so we're going to stay with the last shortage. Okay. And the last shortage is the most serious one is that's the shortage of money. Oh, oh, oh. Well, oh. You, so, so now we have not one, not two, but in the last several months, the three largest bank insolvencies yeah. in the history of the country, mm -hmm. right? Yep. And last, and this one was First Republic, which is the largest, right? And obviously, guess who's bailing it out? You and I, Robert. Who else? Well, only in part. So. So the two bailers, or can you say bailies? Is the bailies Bail or bailers? Bailers? But, bailies? I don't know. Th those guys, them yeah. guys that are, that are bailing plural. out. It is a combination of the Federal Deposit Insurance Corp. Yep. And our friend Jamie Dimon <gasps> at J.P. Morgan Diamond. Chase. By the way, in the last bankruptcy of this stat size and stature was, I think it was Western Republic in 2008. And guess who bought up those assets? Was it J.P. Morgan? It was J.P. Morgan Chase. What do really? you think of them apples? Yeah, so so they're giving J.P. Morgan Chase the fifty million dollar financing. Fifty, excuse me, fifty. Did I say million? Yes. I'm getting. I'm getting. I'm three zero short. It's fifty <laughs> billion. Sorry, folks. You know what's a what's a few what's billion, a billion or million here between and there. friends here? Exactly. You know. um, and they are tapping. No pun intended. The federal, the FDIC insurance fund. I'm an insurance guy, right? In my real life, yeah. um, in my prior life, I don't know, real life, prior life, um, for 19 billion dollars. So here you have these mega banks, too big to fail, and that's my question, right? They're they're absorbing everything. Um, interest rates are going up. Money is being pulled out of the economy now because they don't want to lend, and we'll talk about that in a second. Mm -hmm. So. Are we now in a place where they're too big to fail because everyone's going to be short on money? Well, this is my what when we say too big to fail. Right. What does that even mean anymore? And if we think that there's a problem with all these banks being too big to fail, then why aren't the monopoly powers uh, being pulled out from Congress right now? Why are we allowing mergers this massive already one of the largest banks in the country to get even bigger oh no this makes them this makes them the largest okay so basically the largest so thanks to big daddy government we right. we're creating too big to fail and then extorting money literally extortion i'm calling it extortion if you're saying it's too big to fail then you're extorting money from the American people to give to bankers. Right. Right. Look, look to me, a couple of things. By the way, the two big to fail banks are the ones that mostly on the West Coast, the Signature Bank, um, I think was on the East Coast, I forget which one, but two in San Francisco, one here. They were giving out jumbo loans at preferred rates to large lenders, knowing yep. that the government was going to pick winners and losers if they if they became insolvent. And again, I don't think you've seen the last of this, but mm -mm. but here's my question, and I don't understand. Because there's an inconsistency, it's incongruous to me. 
So here we have, and we talked about it in our last show, the Biden administration is now, as of you know this month, the Biden administration has started tiering the mortgage rates where the the preferred, the people with higher FICO scores or credit yes. scores are going to subsidize people with lower credit scores. And if you have a lower credit score, it means that you are more of a credit risk to defaulting on your loan. So we're taking from the rich, we're giving to the poor, we are subsidizing people who may or may not, and look, I think everyone should have a home if they can afford it, but at the end of the day, credit risk is credit risk. So we are basically going to be bolstering bad risk at a time when banks are failing for making bad loans. Exactly. It's 2008 all over again. What and what what am I missing? It's 2008 all over again. This is what, unfortunately, uh, I would have loved to see way more outrage during the Occupy Wall Street uh, protests back in 2008, 2009. Unfortunately, that movement was co-opted by, you know, another camp and they kind of ruined it. That's that's another story. But but Robert, this is where I just get outraged at watching the federal government destroy our economy, uh, create the circumstances for wild out of control inflation that tank the bond market that make all these investments, uh, you know, they give out all this free money basically during COVID. Then the banks turn around and reinvestment and uh, reinvest it in T bonds. The government goes back on the fed goes back on its word, raises the interest rate, tanks, all these contributes to tanking these banks. They are subsidized by you and I, by our tax dollars and the federal government, and they are incentivized to take risks. So they're taking risks with our money. And then the government is like, oh, and also, by the way, just give money to these really risky uh, creditors, creditees or oh, my God, it again, how do people not understand that what is wrong is caused directly by the federal government? Right. Well, well, well look, as we've talked about, the bigger the federal government is, the less freedom you have. And this is one aspect of it. But the other truth here is we are now, uh, once again, teaching that there are no consequences. Unless, no of consequences. course, you're, unless, of course, you're Main Street. So, so you know, if, if, you're in the, if you're in the gig economy, if you're or if you're, you know, working an hourly job and you're trying to make ends meet, you default on your loan. There's someone showing we're up. We're taking your, your house. I, we're taking your car. Right, we right. don't care about you. Right. But but the two big to fail guys, right? We've now created, there are no consequences. And, and again, remember, everything is connect, interconnected, of course. I understand that, you know, you have to balance the risk of a run, you know, sort of a, a failure of the overall banking system, which, by the way, the same people that are telling us that illegal immigration has dropped 90% are now telling us that the, <laughs> that the national banking system is just fine. Don't worry about it. Well, that makes me feel much better. I don't know about you. Oh, right? my but, God. But, and that, but, if you believe but, that, I'll sell you the Brooklyn Bridge, okay? And, and you're still in my lines. I love that you're still in my lines. I but had to. I had it's, to. It's, it's, that's okay. But here's the interconnectedness, right? Because of all of this, and the banks are trying to now, the other banks that are still standing are trying to shore up their portfolios, and, they're, they are, and interest rates are up. They are reducing loans 
that they're making, that they're approving. Of course. At, 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 at wrong. So but what does of that course. do? That means that the businesses that need capital to expand can't get it or the cost of borrowing is going to be more, which is going to lead us into that R word, which, by the way, they're going to redefine oh. the R word. But the R word R for those. R R R you got it. Come on, come on. I know you can say it. Recession. Right. So, so. It's supposed to be a recession is defined as two consecutive quarters, right? That there is a reduced mm. GDP one, you know, one after the other, right? right? Doesn't necessarily mean negative GDP, gross domestic product. It just means that it's, you know, that it's two quarters. If they're going to redefine illegal immigration, I will bet you all the tea in China, as the expression goes, and that's a lot of tea, all the tea in China that they are going to redefine recessions because Heaven forbid there is a recession under Biden Joe Biden's watch with re-election around the corner and and Kamala Harris I don't know if it's Kamala or Kamala Harris but you know the the VP waiting in the wings you know to ascend to the throne Oh yeah I like they already office. they already redefined recession was it last year uh Did I, they? I, I missed that Yes it was I I think it was the first two quarters of 2022 I remember this specifically. It was during the campaign. They were redefining recession. They, oh, it's, oh, no, no. Maybe some people used to consider it two quarters back to back. But really, you know, that it doesn't really mean anything. People were like, well, then why do you, why, why? And then you see these videos where it's like for years, all these uh, news people saying a recession means this, a recession is this. Uh, again, redefining words, lying well, to the American people. If you can redefine racism, right? If you can redefine illegal immigration and, and you have the, um, I can't use that word. Let me find another word. The temerity. You like that word? Temerity. It's good, a good word. Good word. I have lots of big words. Temerity. It's a good word. If you have the temerity to look the American public in the face and actually try to tell us that illegal immigration has dropped 90%, I don't even know where to go with that, right? So, so um, what what is it? Lies, lies, and damn lies. I forget what it, what the expression is, but it's just it, it's it's egregious. Listen, I want to segue because I know we're coming to the end of the show. Uh, to one positive note, there has to be at least one positive note on I this show. Okay. So there is a case. So the Supreme Court just agreed to certify or certiori Loper Bright. What is it? Bright. Loper Bright Entertainment versus Raimundo. This has to be some fishermen in New Jersey who are being told by the uh, by um, the National Ocean Ocean Oceanographic Administration, National basically Oceanic NOAA, those guys, yep. that they not only when you go fishing, you have to actually pay out of your pocket seven hundred dollars each time to have a companion boat come with you to make sure you're not breaking any environmental rules. So they've challenged it. The Supreme Court agreed to hear it. And what it's really going to tack, tackle, and we're going to talk about this more in our next show, is they the Supreme Court may just now be taking on the administrative state, the unelected administrative state. It's going to, it's going to be heard in this, this um, October. We're going to talk more about that in the next show. But Ooh. folks, this could potentially be a really big deal for sort of getting America back to that balance of power, checks and balances. And Congress is actually going to need to start doing their job, which is to pass clear, under, easily understood laws. Mm. And that's all I have to say about that.
Erica. And hey, everybody, check go check us out on Rumble, too. Uh, for those who are watching and listening, make sure to go check us out on Rumble. We've got some exclusive content over there. With our hot buttered biscuits? Yes. <laughs> Precisely. Um, folks, follow us on Twitter. It's at RB Churnin. Follow, follow Erica at, at Erica, E-R-I-C-K-A-R-E-D-I-C. How'd I do? Did I do good? Perfect. I did good. And if you really wanted a piece of me, email me. Robert C. at ASIC Fund, A-C-E-K-F-U-N-D dot O-R-G. Erica, this was fun, fun, fun. G great times. Good and show. You are, and you are the best. You're folks, the best. We're the best. Right. Um, folks, thanks for listening. I'm Robert Chernin. I'm Erica Reddick. And we are of the people. We'll see you next week.